Welcome to episode 197 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent and Jason here as always. And this week, we're joined by two of the members of Kicks. Yes, we are. You like how I said Kicks? Kicks. <laughs> like kicksonline.com. Just kidding. We're not trying to make this about another <laughs> band. This is all about Kicks. This is about a band with more integrity <clears throat> and better chops. You're goddamn right. You like that? I do like that. And it's right. true. <laughs> Steve Whiteman and Mark Shanker join us here in just a bit. But before we get to that, DEB Concerts sponsors us this week and every week. Well, speaking of kicks, they were just here and that yes. was a DEB concert. We're yeah. going to talk about that concert. It was badass, yes. Yes, it was. Coming up here just in a, well, about two, about three weeks, December 8th at the Ideal Ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's a Saturday night, so you people... Don't have an excuse to come out and see L.A. Guns and Junkyard. And Grind will be opening that up. That's right. That's a great triple bill. If you're not familiar with Grind, you will love them. If you're not familiar with Junkyard, you will love them as well. I promise. That's right. That's not a me saying I like them so you might like them. I'm saying you will like them. (laughs) You can mark my fucking words down on that. And L.A. Guns is always great live as well. Eddie Trunk will be hosting that as he does all these shows at the IDO. And then going into 2019, the Mighty Saxon will be there as well. Damn right. Really looking forward to this. We've seen Saxon several times, but I'm really, we're really hyped for this one because it's in a small space, the Ideal Ballroom, which is fantastic venue, sounds great. And I think Saxon's going to blow the roof off that place. Tom Green's going to have some repairs to do on Valentine's Day. That's right. Yeah. So Saxon will be there with our friends and down for five opening the show along with Mud Flux. Yes. I mean, that's going to be a hell of a show. I can't wait. That will. Down for five is an amazing band that we've had on this podcast before. Yes. Mud Flux is also great. You'll be hearing more about them from us in the coming weeks. Definitely. But yeah, DB Concerts. Like I said, all these concerts hosted by Eddie Trunk, so get out there and meet him. DB Concerts also... Is a part of Rocklahoma now, whereas Doug from DB Concerts has the stage DB processing, which is the third stage at Rocklahoma. We talked all about that a couple episodes ago. Yes. He'll be booking a lot of independent bands from the Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas, Midwest kind of region. So be on the lookout for that in the coming months as well. If you've got a band, get on Facebook and look up DB processing stage at Rocklahoma and hit them up. Do it. Or email us at thethunderunderground at gmail.com and we'll point you in the right direction. That's right. But yeah, kicks. But well, before we get into that, we saw Nonpoint. Yes, we did. A few nights ago. This past weekend, Nonpoint made their way to Oklahoma City at 89th Street Collective. Yes. And they just did like three shows on their own as a headliner with Islander opening up before they met up with this POD tour. That both of them are on. Yeah. And I don't, is Drowning Pool on that tour or is it just the Dallas date? I have no idea. I'm, either way, that's a, you know, a stacked, a stacked lineup, whether Drowning Pool's there or not. And if they are, that makes it that much better. Yeah. Speaking of, CJ Pierce has been on his podcast twice. That's right. That's right. And Shameless plug for ourselves. Sons of Texas was on, is on that show. Oh, that's right. And they've been on this podcast twice. That is right. So yeah, there you go. Sons of Texas. You people need to check him out if you have. Oh, man. That's, yeah, uh, we need to get those guys back on. Yeah, we do. <clears throat> but speaking of non-point, 
they played 89th Street, which is a great place to see a show. Uh, an amazing say. place to see a show. I love, I've seen two shows there now. I love seeing it. Love seeing them there. See, in my, what was it called before it was that? Like I think it was ago. the Conservatory. Yeah, the Conservatory. It? And in my head, I'm like, I went to a show there a few years ago. And then I got to this place. And I'm like, no, I haven't been in here. What am I talking about? <laughs> yeah. I just had it in my head that I had been to the it Conservatory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean, that was my first time there. And I mean, it's a small space, but those are, you know, those sometimes bring out the best shows, you know. Don't they? Yeah. Yeah. And we got there and saw, well, you got there early. Yes. And saw, who did you see? We saw uh, Fight the Fade, uh, Kira, who, by the way, just landed a tour. The whole tour was Seven Dust and Tremonti. That is correct. Um, uh, this spring. So that's great. Congrats to them. They're yeah. from Oklahoma City. Yeah, so big shout out to yes. that, Soul, that band. Soul Crisis was on this bill. And Islander. Right. And you had been at the OU game, so you got you guys didn't get there till Midway through Islander. Islander, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had been there. Uh, we got there just in time, just as Fight the Fade was wrapping up. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, so uh, I, I can't really speak on them too much. I mean, we got in there and we talked to a couple people and then Fight the Fade was over. Um, Kira and Soul, Soul Crisis, excuse me, those were great bands. They sounded awesome. Uh, you know, Soul Crisis has a, has a you know... Uh, They've got a, a a new metal thing going on, kind of I would say, and, and I don't. I stumble because I don't know. To some people, that's cool, and some people, that's not a good. Well, people terminology look at that, that so, term in the same way that people look at hair metal. You know, sometimes they yeah they don't they think it's a drug I mean, term when it's so, really yeah, not. It's, yeah, it's exactly. just a description of a yeah. form of music. <clears throat> and, and Kira is just you know it's good. Straight up metal. Um, it's got some catchy stuff going on, some melodic stuff going on, but it can also, you know, it's got some brutal stuff going on too. Um, so uh, that was cool. Islander was different. They were really, really into the, you know, the whole. Uh, I mean, I, I, I swear to God, if it was 1999, Islander would be huge. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're really in, into that that kind of vein. <clears throat> so yeah, you know that that's that's kind of where we're yeah. at there. Yeah, I saw I saw Soul Crisis at Rock Home this year. That's right. You were telling me and, that, yeah. And they were really good. So I was kind of bummed to miss them and the other bands I hadn't seen. But like I said, I did get to see Islander, and you know it was it was good. They're high energy. Yes, they're. You know, and it, in that type of space at 89th Street, that really lends itself to that. You know, a smaller stage and a smaller venue. You know, high energy metal like that just, you know, it, it works. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I will say, you know, stuff like that usually isn't my everyday fare, but that doesn't mean anything, you know. Right. Um, it, 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 it still had an uplifting vibe and I, I dug that. Yeah. Well, then Nonpoint took the stage yes. and seen them several times throughout the years. And most recently, I guess were when they were at uh, the Brady Theater opening for In This Moment. And I actually watched them and then left. Gotcha. I'll say that out loud on here. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but that was the time we had uh, Elias yes, we Soriano, the singer, on our podcast. So if you're listening to this and you're a non-point fan, pull up our episode with Elias. It's pretty cool. 
But yeah, they've got this. We had we didn't really talk about the album since it came out. Yeah, their tenth album, aptly titled Ten, I guess. I don't know if you. I don't know if you pronounce it Ten or X. It's the Roman numeral. Yeah, either or, I guess. You know. Yeah, maybe it's X, and it's just meant as a double entendre. Yeah, yeah. Great album. Oh man, it, <clears throat> the um chaos and earthquakes, empty battery. This thing's got hooks. This thing's got fucking solos out the ass. Yeah, I mean. You know, a lot of people might look at this kind of little subgenre of metal and rock and think one thing. No, they're gonna turn they're gonna turn you on on your ear because you know the, the guitar work on this album is superb. Uh, go check this album out. You know, riffs for days. It's really cool, and I, I love his voice. I've always loved his voice. So it's just a great record. Yeah, Dodger <clears throat> Destinies. This like riffs out the ass. Yeah, and it's just. Heavier than what you expect, even the way he's singing. Yeah. Then their normal fare and um, fix this is another great song. They played that is a good song. They yes. played both those songs and like you mentioned, chaos and earthquakes from the new album. Yeah. At the show we saw, and you know, of course, all the songs everybody expected to hear. You did point out that I had seen a picture of Rob Rivera's drum set on social mm-hmm. media, like if you know, a few days before that. Yeah. And he has this new drum set that's. Red, but it's what's the word see through? Yes, which is really cool looking. And I know you pointed out he had it, you know, set up a little bit different than the standard drum set, which is interesting to note, I guess. The only complaint here is they only they played less than an hour. Yeah, like 55, 55 57, minutes. 57 minutes. Which you know, I get. You know, there shows that were added on before they're starting a tour, but. They're warming up. There's I, a lot of bands in the bill. Yeah, I still would have. I still thought you'd get a full headline length set out of it, but mm-hmm. you know you can't complain about an, an hour basically from a band that's kind of like I said about Islander, full of energy and they own the stage basically. Yeah. Um. You know, I I have to, and I also have to. I'm not complaining. You are not complaining. That's a first. You know what? Fuck you, man. All you've been doing is bitching about the fact that Rock this podcast have wouldn't beer. be shit without me. I taught you everything you know. I know. Just kidding. I love you, Trent. <laughs> I was just kidding. But you know, you, you you kind of attacked me there real quick. <laughs> so my defenses went up. Okay. All right. No. All kidding aside. I I'm I'm start and you know what? Anybody out there, you tell me what you think. Email me. Uh, I don't know. This whole trend lately of this the the lighting at these shows is just baffling to me. It's like this backlit thing, you know, and it's more like you know, there's a lot of colors going on, and that's cool as fuck. That's cool. But it just makes for, you don't get to see the band hardly. Right. It's just like you're watching silhouettes. Yeah. Now, is that cool or is that not? To me, I want to see the band. It's cool for like one song. I, I mean, I, I've seen it. I've seen it at this show. I've seen it at Upon a Burning Body, which was very bad. You couldn't see shit. All you saw, all, it was like we paid for a light show. <laughs> and I'm, you know, it's funny, but I'm not kidding you. Right. Because I never, I, I mean, I saw s- vague silhouettes of the band. Nonpoint wasn't as bad. Um, You know, we saw it on a grand scale when we saw Breaking Benjamin with the Vince Sevenfold. Oh, that's right. You know, th- what the fuck was that? 
Yeah. I mean, I would have been pissed if, if I was a real legit Breaking Benjamin fan. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I've seen it at a local level recently. And that's all I'll say about that. But it's just like, I, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, it seems unnecessary and yeah. sometimes it hurts the eyes. But I don't know, you know, I'm an old bastard, so <laughs> maybe, you know, th- maybe I'm just going off on a get off my lawn, you damn kids rant. <laughs> I don't know. Well, no, I've always thought that. It's like, it's cool for a song or two, you know, but at the same time, like you said, you, you want to see the band. If you came to see the band, yeah. you know, you can listen to this shit at home without being there. It's yeah, like exactly. you don't want to be stuck in the back with tall people in front of you who can't see anything. It's the equivalent of that, except now you're getting blinded as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you, yeah, you're getting blinded by the thousand points of light. You know, I mean, it's like fuck, right? But uh, again, I, you know, I, I people might dig it, and I don't want to take away from. I just was curious if that's like a thing now. I think it is, and I sound super <laughs> fucking old. <laughs> fuck me, whatever. <sighs> All right, well, bringing it back around. Yes. check out. Non-Points new album if you have not. Definitely check it out. It's a great fucking record. It really yes, is. Absolutely. Speaking of what will undoubtedly be a great fucking record, Torpedo Head has a new album coming out early next year sometime. Yes. In the meantime, they have a brand new single out, and we're going to play it right now. This song is called Don't Care About You. Yeah. 
Don't Care About You from Torpedo Head out of Germany. We've played these guys now, what, three or four times? Three or four times. I mean, their shit's so fucking, it's infectious and it's slamming. I mean, we champion this band. Without a doubt. This is any band that sounds like this, which there isn't many of them. I mean, you know, they do it, you know, at this level at least. You know, when you've got elements of like Michael Monroe and Faster Pussycat and then like stuff. Even a little, you know, backyard babies thrown in there, yeah. along with some punk and then some just melodic rock. Yeah. It's all this stuff mixed together, and I can't say enough high, you know, praise about this band. And we're looking at hopefully getting them on this podcast yes. soon enough to talk to them about the new stuff they got coming out. But they said it will be out sometime in early 2019. That's right. People get on board with this band they are great yeah they have three albums out already so you need to go check them out all right kicks played the ideal ballroom the week before last yes we were there this show was we you know talked about it for weeks leading up to it you will not be disappointed and i can't imagine anyone that that, that was there was no man they i mean they high octane you know professionalism was at an, an utmost high level. I mean, you know, these guys were tight. They sounded great. Uh, they didn't miss a beat. Uh, they played Blow My Fuse in its entirety. Yes. I mean, it was fucking awesome. So glad to finally be able to see these guys again. It's been a few years. <clears throat> I think the last time I saw them was the last time I played Rock Loma, which was mm-hmm. like 2015, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But... Seen them many times now since they made their return back at that second Rocklahoma. And it just never ceases to amaze me just like how on point this band is. It's just pure hard rock and roll. Yeah. I mean, you can't just get everything about it. You can't get through. You can't fuck with it. You, there's no, it's tight as hell. Yeah. I mean, and, and they sound amazing. Steve Whiteman sounds fucking superb. And this is a guy that has a voice that is the type of voice that could easily fade out on someone. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, much like Tom Kiefer or who else can I think of? You know, just even someone like Rob Halford has got a crazy voice. Yeah. You know, he's kept it in tune for all these years. You know, Kix has been recording albums now for almost 40 years. High, what, 38 years? Yeah. And they've been together for 40 years, basically. So he's been doing this for well longer than that. And like he talks about in this podcast and as many people know i mean he's been a a vocal coach for for many many years yes in fact if you watch their documentary he actually gave lessons to lizzie from hellstorm that's right that's right um i mean that you know they're putting in the work and that's what it takes yeah this new album is i say new album it's the remastered re-release of Blow My Fuse, the 30th anniversary, called Fuse 30 Reblown. It features the entire album remastered, as well as another tire, the entire album again in demo form. And they're all high-quality demos. Should we get into this? Yeah. I mean, uh, what else can you say? Just let them say it. Right on. This is Mark and Steve from Kicks.
just the genesis of it, how we got going. Take it away, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> the genesis of it. I've, I've been getting that word a lot lately. Um, well, the genesis of it was uh, originally Jimmy and I have been uh, just... Usually when Kix picks out new songs for the set list, somebody will get an idea and say, hey, why don't we do this song? And so Jimmy said, hey, why don't we talk to the other guys about doing Walking Away off Midnight Dynamite? And then we started talking about, man, there's a lot of keyboards in that. Can I, can I fuss on this thing? Yeah. Okay, there's a lot of fucking keyboards in that um, song. What are we going to do? You know, I mean, we could program them. We're definitely not putting a keyboard on stage and nobody's going to play them. So uh i talked to our our girl at the record label madeline scarpola she's the gm of uh, loud and proud and i said hey is there any chance you can get a hold of those original multi-track recordings so jimmy and i can listen to the keyboard parts and maybe try to duplicate them for um walking away and so she was able to get the walking away song uh it was it happened to be on one reel and i had it transferred over to digital and um and then I got a hold of Bo Hill, and I said, hey, I have one of your songs from Midnight Dynamite. Do you want to remix it? And he was like, hell yeah, I do. So I sent him all, I sent him the, the song and all of his notes from the studio. They made copies of all the paperwork that was with the tapes. And uh, um, and Bo had a great time mixing it. And then ultimately, we decided not to do um, Walking Away, but that got my wheels turning. And I was like, man, if I can get a hold of it, because Jimmy started saying, hey, you know, Blow My Fuse, the 30th anniversary is coming up soon. Um, Jimmy's our drummer, by the way. Yeah, Jimmy's our drummer. <laughs> Jimmy Chocolate. And, um, uh, the anniversary's coming up. We should do something special. And I just, I had that in the back of my mind. And I was like, God, it was really easy to get those tapes. I wonder if I could get all of Blow My Fuse and get it remixed. It's Cause most people re reissue stuff. They remaster it. Right. So we had the, you know, access to the multi-track recordings. And, um, you know, over the years, the, you know, being in the band for 15 years now myself, you know, the sort of the narrative from the guys was like, wow, it was such a great record. We wish it just had a little bit better mix. You know, there was a lot of reverb on it and things that things that don't really stand the test of time these days, you know. Sounded dated. Basically. Sounded dated. It sounded very dated, but the, you know, the material is still there. I mean, all the songs are great, no matter how you slice them. I mean, those are great songs on that record. And, you know, when you listen through the reverb and the, echo those performances are there and there's no question about that so um so i you know knowing that it was easy to get a hold of those tapes i had asked uh madeline to contact uh, wea warner electro atlantic about getting the entire uh blow my fuse and there were 12 analog reels and they they got them to us in like a week they converted them to digital and and you know when i talked to bo about remixing it um he was like, how fast can you send me the hard drive? I mean, there was no discussion about whether or not he wanted to. It was just a matter of let's hurry up and do it. I want to do it right now. So he was he was super excited about it, and um, he had a blast doing it, and I had a blast working on it. And uh, Jimmy uh, was listening to the mixes that were coming in that Bo was sending, and we were sending them to the guys now and then. So so it was a that was the genesis of it. It's just you know we found out how easy it was to get a hold of those tapes. And then we let our record company work the licensing deal for the release. And um, that's kind of where it came from. It was just the, the, how easy it was to get a hold of the material and the original multi-track recordings. Maybe this is my ignorance, but, which, you know, I have a lot of... <laughs> every, everything I've heard, you know, it's like so hard to get access to a lot of the original stuff. How was how it so easy? And that's cool that it was. 
I, you know, I, I don't know the real answer to that question, but I believe that, um, uh, from my experience, there is, um, there's a vault in somewhere in California. <laughs> and, and that's where all the master tapes are. And if you, um, contact whoever is, whoever owns the rights to the master tapes, um, you, you know, it's a, now licensing it to release it, that's a whole nother animal. But getting a hold of the master tapes and getting transferred to digital is really not not that hard to do. So um, so it's two sort of separate things. So getting a hold of the tapes, um, they had to actually bake them because they were so old. You didn't want to put old tapes because the adhesive on the on the magnetic material to the plastic. As soon as you play it, it could be destroyed if you don't bake them first. So so there's a process and it has to be done right and it has to be um, technically done correctly and transferred over. And, and, you know, like I said, the licensing is different. So that was something that our record company handled for us. We could have done that ourselves, but, you know, they already know how to do it and they're better at it. So, um, so getting a hold of the master tapes was easy. And according to our label, um, it wasn't the most favorable licensing deal, but it was easy to get done. So, you know, and, and when there's some money to be made and, and, you know, label people start to pay attention, would you say? Yeah, always, always. Not that we'll make any money. Not that we'll make any money. Yeah, labels always make money. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think I think it also depends on, you know, we're not exactly uh, um, top of the food chain when it comes to, you know, we're just little guy going in the back door and say, hey, can you all make us a copy of our tapes? You know, we're not, uh, you know, releasing the Motley Crue catalog over again. You know, so so maybe we get a little bit more favorable treatment because they're like, eh, those guys want to do something with them, let them do they it. They probably you know? felt sorry for it. For they probably did. For, <laughs> for, they were like, oh, we, were, we really yeah. fucked them hard. We should let yeah. them have those yeah, tapes. Yeah, we you fucked know? them long enough. Let's just give them to it. <laughs> that might be it. I think Steve hit gold yeah. there. I think that's the truth, My honestly. My still hurts from Atlantic Records. <laughs> Your pockets are still empty. <laughs> still empty. Still dust. <laughs> Brian, are your pockets empty? Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you have it. Well, speaking of Bo Hill, what do you what did he bring to this? You think that since he didn't work on the original recording, what he bring to this as the, on the remaster? Then? Well, our relationship with Bo started with Midnight Dynamite. Right. He, he, he produced that and, and struck up a, a great friendship with him. And when we got Mark in the band, uh, in, in in my other band before we kicked it on hiatus, we had a band called Funny Money that I was able to recruit Mark in. And Mark and Bo struck up a really good friendship. So uh, we put out a Funny Money CD that, that Bo mixed for us. So he's always been on board on, on any of our projects. And uh, when he got on board for this one, and the way it turned out, it just, it just amazed us and, and how good it sounded and, and just how, how talented he is. Yeah, and, you know, he brings to the table what, you know, his signature sound. I mean, nobody mixes records like Bo. Right. I mean, there's a, I, I know there was a... Uh, uh, I think Rolling Stone or Guitar World or somebody put out a top 20 list of the best hair metal albums of that era, you know, and, and Bo was the producer of four of those 20 and no other producer even had two. So if that's not defining a genre, I don't really know what is. So, so Bo, Bo brings that expertise to the table. And plus, you know, now he has 30 more years of experience in mixing since he was working on Midnight Dynamite and Warrant Records and Winger Records. And so, you know, he's, he's way more, way better at his job than he, than he was then. I'm sure you ask him, he'll tell you, but he, he's, uh, he brings a lot to the table. He, he has a, a ton of expertise, a great ear, 
and um and, and he's so easy to work with, so fun, so funny, and and he loves our band, which is yeah. helpful. So. Yeah, that's very helpful. Was not being the band when the record came out. I mean, what did you think of the record, and you know, what were your thoughts on it? Well, I, you know, it's funny because it, when when that record came out, I was pretty good friends with Ronnie at the time. Our and guitar player. Our guitar player, Ronnie Yonkins, right there. There he is. And um, and Ronnie... Banjo, too. Banjo player. I forgot about that. <laughs> and, uh, and he had given me a, a cassette of all the Blow My Fuse, excuse me, Blow My Fuse demos. And um, so I had been riding around in my car listening to those songs for six or eight months before they ever came out and um uh and so i remembered that those demos were really really good and that's why they're on the the um fuse 30 reblown package because i just remember that they were great and um uh, uh for me hearing the demos and then when the record came out i felt like the record and the demos were were pretty much the same i heard the record and i was like well god this sounds an awful lot like the demos it's pretty you know, they spent $400,000 to do this, nah, not that you much. know, <laughs> whatever it was. But yeah, that, when we made records, we basically just redid our, our demos. We spent so much time making those demos. I mean, weeks and weeks on one song and uh, uh, slaving over over a big old peasy board. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, our, our demos were, were good. And you know, I attribute Jimmy, our drummer, and Donnie, our old bass player. Because they they really put their heart and soul into it. Well, for you personally, when you guys put this package together, was that the first time you heard those demos in twenty nine? Oh hell yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. Although Mark got a hold of it and found a way to, to lift the vocals up a little bit more because they, my vocals were all buried on those demos. So Mark said, "You'll like these." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I sweetened them up a little bit, so um, they definitely sound, you know. And of course, they need to be made louder, and uh, but the demos were. I love those demos. They're, they have a special place in my heart because I remember riding around in my old Pinto listening to that cassette over and over again. I had a real Pinto. Did you I had really? a Pinto wagon. Oh, wow. that's terrible. You could, fit, you could fit three Marshall cabinets in the back of a Pinto that's wagon. True. Did you know that? <laughs> well, playing the album in its entirety, are there any of the tracks, like the deep cuts, that you guys really had to dig in and rehearse to get oh, down? Oh, yeah. 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 Like, what, Piece of the some? pie. Yeah, I didn't have that, to rehearse. That was a motherfucker. Piece of the pot, but a boomerang and dirty boys, which we probably hadn't played in 29 years. So for me, vocally, to go back and revisit that and see how my voice could handle that shit again, it took me a couple of months to get strong enough to be able. To, I felt confident. Yeah, we could do this. Had you guys done albums in this entirety before? Blow my fuse. No, tonight. No, it was. I <laughs> mean, any other albums? I know you've done this one. No, and that was that was the idea. It was like you know when when Jimmy started telling me that you know hey this 30th anniversary of Fuse is coming up, um, you know I I I thought you know what is a way that that you know not being an original member that we can celebrate that these guys can celebrate their accomplishment with Blow My Fuse and 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 just sort of you know just sort of have a victory lap and have a moment of appreciation for the album that changed their lives and, and put, put them on the map. And so, um, I had, you know, I had seen, uh, Aerosmith, Ronnie and I had gone and seen Aerosmith do Toys in the Attic front to back. And that, that was a great, uh, concert and that always stuck in the back of my mind. And, um, so I brought that up doing the views in its entirety to these guys and they just laughed me out of the room. 
So I said, hell no. <laughs> so, so you had to kind of coax him a little bit. Uh, I think what, when I brought it up to Jimmy, he was like, yeah, of course, you know, right? Isn't that what you well, said? Yeah. He didn't have to sing. He didn't have to sing. Or He's a dirty boy. Hey, I play boomerang. Now. Yeah, yeah got to play true. boomerang. <laughs> I mean, it, it initially it took me by surprise. The whole concept was like, well, I don't want to do that. It's yeah. too much work. It was a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Brian. It was a lot of work. But once it sunk in and I thought of the concept, and we were kicking around the idea of possibly starting to, you know, put ideas together for a new record. So I, that was in my mind, and then when this when this idea came along, it was like, well, that's going to kick that idea, you know, to, to the side for a while. And I'm like, but this is a cool idea. The more I thought about it, and and, and it's, it's been great playing it in front of the audience. They, I think they've really enjoyed it. And you know, back then you would listen to an entire album, you put the cassette right. in, and so this is, you know, we're trying to give the fans that same experience. You know, for me, riding around, going to a gig when I was playing in cover bands. Listening to Blow My Fuse front to back was something I did quite often. And so you have that, you know, you're just taken back in time and to, you know, happy spots or sad spots, whatever that album meant for you at that time as a fan. And so for me, you know, playing it in order and being a part of it is, is, is really exciting. It's just, you know, it's like I'm back in my car listening again, you know, and it's all, it's all in order and it's the way it is on the record and it's just, you know, you have the uh, mood swings as you go through the record, and, and it's just really great. I, I think it's it's so fun for me to do that, you know, and go back to that spot in time. And we do it pretty damn good. We do it pretty damn good. A bunch of old bastards. We, we still <laughs> kick it out. <laughs> well, you mentioned working on a new album, so that is something that's going to happen. More yeah. than likely. Yeah. 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 There's no, it, you know, you can, you, there's no reason why not to do it. A lot of times, you know, people... Oh, nobody cares. Nobody buys records. We don't really care about that. We do it because we like to do it, you know. And so, and we have a great record company that supports us and and can uh, you know help us on the on the administrative end, which can be really uh, challenging these days because things change so fast. And so there's you know I always say there's no reason not to do it. You know, yes, we're going to do it, but more importantly, there's no impediments to doing it. So it makes it easy for us to be able to focus on the creative side and we have such a great label that that supports us on the technical side on your guys documentary you mentioned i think taylor rose mentioned you guys sent about 30 or 40 demos for Rocky yeah face off is that something or any of those songs good enough you think to go on the next album or is it all going to be fresh material i think it'll all be fresh because if yeah. we send those songs to taylor again he'll just get pissed off yeah, right. <laughs> i don't hear that shit he's already, if he's, he's, already, he's already turned it down yeah. yeah no he hasn't heard any anything we haven't really talked i mean we we're in touch with taylor but but he uh but i know i know taylor and if we sent him the same songs he's like what the hell are you sending me this for <laughs> Although, uh, the, I mean, everybody specifically wanted Taylor involved because of, of his previous involvement with the band. And I think they were, everybody was real adamant about, you know, trying to make the kick sound, maintaining that kick sound. So he was, he was more selective in the material, I believe. So, Him and Brian were really the gatekeepers on what, what is and what isn't kicks. You know, Brian has a, has a, you know, guitar perspective and, um, uh, that, that I don't think, you know, anybody else has. And, you know, and, and Taylor being a songwriter and being a guy who was involved in producing kicks and writing a whole bunch of kick songs, you know, he's got like 13 kick songs or something. Does he really? Yeah, I think it's like 13 that he co wrote. And so. That tone, rock your face off. Thank you. I mean, that tone, that guitar tone is amazing. 
yeah. It's, you know, that's a credit to Ronnie and Brian. Those guys are so good at making their amps sound. Yeah, 72 Marshall. But, I mean, they sound the way they sound through those amps, and all I had to do was put a mic in front of them. You know, it really wasn't that difficult. If it sounds good coming out of the amp, if you're a halfway competent engineer, you should be able to get it on on disc or on tape. And so, so that that's really just you know Brian and Ronnie knowing their gear and being so good at getting great guitar sounds, you know. So that's all it is. You know, there's no production tricks, there's no whiz bang, there's nothing. It's just those guys. Well, when you guys aren't active, do you do anything to maintain your voice? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually I'm a vocal teacher. Okay. So I, I teach when we have downtime, and I actually I try to get the set out and sing at least once a week, just okay. to stay strong. So yeah, I, I continually work on it. Have to. I'm yeah. old. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been to all twelve of the Rock Lomas, and my favorite performance ever was you guys at 2008 when it was oh, pouring yeah. Oh yeah. Do you guys have any specific? Remember that of that other than just the pouring rain. It was pouring rain, but yeah. that that whole event opened our eyes to what could be because we were just pretty much keeping to local shows in, in our little comfort zone area of D.C., Baltimore, uh, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. So when we were um, invited to do that by we <laughs> Sullivan Big from Big Time Entertainment was got involved. Brian Brian got him to call me and. Sullivan said, give me a chance to book you guys. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> I was done with it. Fuck I was, that. All the touring and all that shit, I was done with it. I had my, my little band, Funny Money, and I was happy. And But Sullivan, he was persistent and said, just give me a chance. Give me a chance. And when we did uh, Rocklahoma, I mean, our eyes were wide open. It was like, Jesus Christ, I had no idea. The thing I remember most about that is, I mean, you were there. You remember how fucking hard it was raining. Yeah. And I just remember standing up there playing, and it was just pouring, 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 and nobody left. Right. It was like 50,000 yeah, people there. Lightning would flash, you could see the crowd. You could see the crowd, and it was like, God, nobody's <laughs> leaving. If it were me out there, I, yeah. if it was Led Zeppelin up there, I would have fucking left. <laughs> it was raining hard, man. I was like, I'd have been like, fuck this, I'm out of here. That was, that was after the side stages. The went side stages collapsed, yeah. And everybody yeah. went back to the campground for a couple hours. Yeah, and they came back, yeah, yeah. and then it started raining again. They didn't leave while we played. I couldn't believe it. It was, it was really something. I'll never forget yeah, that. Yeah, it, that it was, made your hair stand up. That was unusual. Well, from a fan perspective, me, it was just like, this may be my only chance to ever see these guys, so that's why I wasn't leaving. Apparently, a lot of people <laughs> felt that way. <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> well, guys, we appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Sure. There you go. Steve Whiteman and Mark Schenker from Kicks. And we also were fortunate enough to have Brian, Jimmy, and Ronnie all chime in at different points during that as well. Hell yeah. I mean, it was it was a great time. All good dudes. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I didn't expect. You know, we knew we were going to sit down with Steve and Mark, and then the rest of the band was just hanging out there, and they all yeah. commented on stuff as well. So that was really cool. Big thank you to Madeline at Loud and Proud Records, as well as Sully Big, and of course, Mark and Steve for taking the time out of their evening before the show to talk to us. Definitely. So like we mentioned earlier, Fuse 30 Reblown is out now, so check that out. Pick it up. Their album, Rock Your Face Off, that came out about four years ago, is fucking fantastic. It will do that. It will just rock your face off. Yes, aptly titled. Yes. <laughs> no yeah. shit. A couple years ago, they released, uh, <clears throat> was it Can't Stop the Show? Was that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, the live album. And it also had a documentary attached with it. 
So check that out as well. It's very cool. And like they mentioned in here, hopefully we'll be hearing new music from in the coming year or so. For sure. But yeah, if you're a fan of Kicks, we've had a lot of bands from that era, that genre on this podcast. Recently, we had Frank Hannon from Tesla on here. That's right. Which was a big deal to me because that's one of my all-time oh, favorite bands. That was so cool. Big deal to you too, I know. We've had on Mark Kendall from Great White tri- twice. Yes. We had on, let me see, Mark Torian from Bullet Boys. I was just going to say him. Oh, yeah. Mark <laughs> Gus Scott from Trickster. Bill Everty from Firehouse. That is correct. Joey Allen from Warrant. Yep. Ian Hogland from Europe. Europe. Yes. We had on Steve Blaze from Lillian Axe, highly underrated guitarist from a highly underrated band. Exactly. Chris Green from Taiketo. That is right. Another, you could say the same thing about him and that band. Underrated as F. The guitar wizard <clears throat> that guy is. Yes. But yeah, besides, you know, that genre of bands, we've also had on guys from, like we mentioned, Kiss. Gene Simmons and Bruce Kulick have both been on here. Dave Elfson from Megadeth, as well as Chris Broderick, formerly of Megadeth. We've had on guys from Seven Dust, Shine Down, Saving Abel, Drowning Pool, Soil, uh, Nonpoint. We've had on... We just uh, had on uh, Matt Byrne from Hatebreed. That's right. And then, you know, their tour mates, Miss May I, we had Ryan Neff on uh, a while back. Yeah. We mentioned earlier Saxon. We had on Biff Byford. We've had on Tommy Victor at Prong. We've had on Ricky and Damon from Black Star Riders. Do you like the Do you like the sludgy stuff? I do because we've had Kirk Winstein from Crowbar twice. We've, we've had Wino, yeah, twice. We've had Wino from The Obsessed and uh, Spirit Car- Caravan on. Uh, also, Jimmy guy, Bauer, yeah, Jimmy Bauer, who is in Down. Yes. I hate God. Super Joint. Pretty much every great band from New Orleans, he because he Steven he was a, from Superjoint because he was also in Crowbar at one yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Stephen from Superjoint, Phil and Semo from the band Pantera was also on his podcast for twenty nine seconds, point two seconds. Nah. So we get we like to get into <laughs> the sludgy, ugly stuff too, which is what I'm really digging on lately. So I mean, yeah, it, we we cover it all, and there's no there's no guilty pleasure. There's no you know nothing to make fun of in our world. It, it, it's all you know, guitar, bass, guitar, bass, drums, vocals, rock and roll. So we're doing it. Yeah. Get out of the way. Speaking of Phil, we will be out at 89th Street again this coming yes. Monday night. Phil will be out there with the Illegals. And if you're not familiar with what he's doing on this tour, it is about a third Phil and the Illegals songs and then two-thirds Pantera songs. So Fuck yeah. That'll be really cool. And then Child Bite will be opening that as well, who we've also had on this podcast. Yes, they've been on the show, and they're <laughs> fucking stellar dudes. So it's going to be a great show. Yeah. So if you're out there, come by and say hey. Well, speaking of this podcast, we've also got one coming up shortly with Wither. We've been talking yes. about that for a while. We're doing this in advance of their sh- their final show, November 30th at the Vanguard. They'll be doing that along with Reliance Code, Sign of Lies, and the Normandies. We've also got one coming up with Julian K, which is a band that features two of the original members of Orgy. That's right. Which that was a really cool one. And we should also have one coming up with our friends in Severmind. That's right. Here in just a few episodes. It's going to be a good one. That's right. All this stuff is at soundcloud.com backslash thunder-underground. You can find everything at thethunderunderground.com. You can listen on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you can find us on Patreon if you want to become a patron. 
That would be cool. We'd be okay with that. Yeah, we wouldn't have a problem. Not a problem at all. That's right. All right. Before we get out of here, once again, thank you to DB Concerts. And thank you to Kix for talking to us for a little bit. Till next time. My asshole still hurts from Atlantic Records. <laughs> Your pockets are still empty. <laughs> still empty. Still dust. <laughs> Brian, are your pockets empty? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> there you have it. Thunder Underground, y'all.